I'm like a woman fighting for more than life. I fight like fighting is my life. It is the air I breathe, and I know I will win because there is no alternative. But if there is an alternative, I'll take it because between us, I kind of rather nap. Hi, and welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer YouTube series and podcast. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media, and we are here today to talk about Storyteller, the 16th episode of season seven. Storyteller aired on February 25th, 2003, and was written by Jane Espenson, with Rebecca Rand Kirshner as executive story editor and Drew Z. Greenberg as story editor. This episode was directed by Marita Grabiak. This is Grabiak's first episode of Buffy. She will return to direct the penultimate episode of both the season and the series, End of Days. There are a lot of episodes of Buffy that I love for a lot of different reasons, but this is the episode that speaks most directly to my story nerd heart. It is the episode made specifically to delight me. And man, it's nice to be delighted. All right, let's go on patrol. In Storyteller, Andrew builds the narrative of Buffy, masterpiece theater style, but his efforts to preserve for the ages the epic battle between good and evil goes unappreciated by the masses. You've been in here for 30 minutes. What are you doing? Entertaining and educating. Why can't you just masturbate like the rest of us? Meanwhile, at the high school, the hell mouths are popping, making teenage angst manifest as the metaphors become reality. Bailey should have had that foot rub. Buffy and Principal Wood try to figure out what's going on by visiting the evil seal of evil, and it possesses Wood for a moment, freaking them both the hell out. Buffy, we gotta get rid of this seal. We gotta shut it down before it starts affecting everyone. Back at Slayer HQ, Andrew continues his documentary work, interviewing Anya and Xander about their relationship, which has completely expected results. Yeah, I knew we'd always do that again. Buffy and Wood ask Andrew about what happened when he fed the seal its first drop of blood. And when Andrew mentions a specific knife that he needed to do the deed, they return with it and Andrew to the high school to see if they can shut down the seal. Guess what, Andy? You just won yourself a free vacation to the beautiful downtown Hellmouth. Back at the school, things are getting downright rioty as Wood and Spike fight off the teenagers together while Buffy takes Andrew to the basement to face the seal and forces him to also face the truth about what happened to Jonathan. Because I killed him. As Andrew's tears fall into the seal, it calms down. The kids stop fighting and everything goes back to normal. Well, the Sunnydale version of normal anyway. Back in the bathroom at Buffy's, Andrew speaks into the camera one last time. Here's the thing. I killed my best friend. Before we get started here today, I would like to say that if you make a drinking game out of every time I say narrative in this episode of Still Pretty, you will surely die. So don't do that. I like you. Stay alive. Or do the drinking game with water. And then, hey, hydration. Good for you. I have spoken extensively about how much I love Andrew's narrativization, but up until now, it's mostly been a character quirk, a fun joke to go to when we need a funny moment from Andrew. Here in Storyteller, we see an illustration of how incredibly powerful narrative is, both in framing reality and in avoiding it. The purpose of story is to give us a framework through which we can better understand life. 
Life itself is messy and complicated and confusing. There's so much going on. And in the middle of big moments, we still have to think about getting to work and what we're going to eat for breakfast. Stories boil that down for us. They weed out all the stuff that doesn't matter and frame a narrative from events, giving those events meaning. But the thing about story is, once you assign meaning to the events that comprise it, you simplify those events. You focus them. That simplification and focus is what makes the meaning accessible, but it can also alter the truth if we're not careful about which realities we emphasize and which ones we omit. I mean, let's not be naive. Sometimes alteration of the truth is the exact intent of narrative. Sometimes people do it deliberately and with full knowledge of exactly what they're doing, such as when unscrupulous people take an event and deliberately bend it to support a particular ideology or agenda. But outside of that, people narrativize because they're not ready to face the truth of what's going on in their lives or what they've done or been complicit to. Andrew is from the second category. We are really supervillains now, like, like Dr. No. His narrative identity has swung from supervillain to antihero on a path to redemption, sometimes going from one to another with barely a breath in between. I'm not bad. I'm not bad anymore. I'm good. I do good things now. Then why do you need lots and lots of blood? I am bad. I'm bad. I'm evil. But I'm protected by powerful forces, forces you can't even begin to imagine little girl. Even as recently as last week in Get It Done, he was reframing his role in the Scoobies. Andrew is our... Actually, he's our hostage. I like to think of myself more as a guestage. While all of this has been fun and has made his character a particular delight to narrative nerds like myself, the destructive side of Andrew's constant narrativizing hasn't been addressed directly until now. Storyteller is an atypical episode of Buffy in that not much actually happens in the story itself. This is a character study examining the conflict between narrative and reality, how the self-protective narrative pillow forts we hide in can become dangerous when they conflict directly with reality. That's when things fall apart. When we use narrative to avoid painful realities, we'd be much better off just facing. With Andrew, the reality is he killed his best friend. Yes, he was under the influence of the first at the time, but as he finally confesses in this episode, he knew exactly what he was doing. When your blood pours out, it might save the world. What do you think about that? Does it buy it all back? Are you redeemed? No. Why not? Because I killed him. Because I... I, I listened to Warren and I pretended I thought it was him, but I knew... I knew it wasn't. This is the first moment that he rejects the idea of his own redemption. And ironically, it's also the moment where that redemption begins. Until we faced ourselves honestly, until we acknowledge what we've done in the glaring light of day or the evil glow of a demonic seal, we can't be redeemed. We can only run and hide, curled up in a pillow fort, which may be more comfortable than the truth in the moment, but becomes a bit of a constraint after a while. And the light, no matter how painful, is less painful than a prison made of lies and fear, no matter how fluffy the walls may be. I think your, your story seems pretty pointless. Oh, I was going to interview you later today, because, you know, your unique perspective on the whole thing. Oh. Give it editorial balance and uh, glamour. Oh. Well, balance is important. People don't always take that into account. I could bring that to you, absolutely. 
While Andrew is absolutely the extreme example of the power of narrative, no one is immune to it, except maybe Buffy. And we see that throughout this episode. Anya, who returned in season four to fill Cordelia's fashionable, truth-telling, strappy sandals, is easily turned when Andrew paints her as glamorous. Spike, who has no time for any nonsense, plays along with his narrative identity as the bad boy with no time for this bullshit. I thought I told you to piss off with this bloody camera. And here you are, giving the thing in my face. Would you sort off before I rip your throat out and eat um, you? Spike, the light was kind of behind you. Oh, right. Um. Well, this better then? I thought I told you to piss off with that bloody camera. Here you are, giving that thing in my face. Would you sort off? When Andrew sits Xander and Anya down to be interviewed, it is only through this approach to their story as story that allows them to finally work through their traumatic breakup and actually connect with each other again, both emotionally and physically. And once they've done that, they are able to use the power of narrative, remember, narrative is the meaning assigned to an event, to figure out where they are in their relationship. Yeah, I knew we'd always do that again. Yeah, one more time anyway. Is that what that was? One more time? Do you think there, sh there should be more? I don't know. It was nice. It felt, um... Felt like a one more time. I think maybe we're really over. Oddly enough, it seems like the subject of the story, Buffy, is the only one immune to the narrativizing. She rejects it from the very start. I told you I didn't want you doing that. It's distracting. Okay, I'll cut the footage together and do the intro tomorrow. She was a woman in danger, or was Are she? Are you still filming me? Stop! But it's, it's a valuable record and an important document for the ages. A slayer? In action. A nerd in pain. Would they like that? Because we could do that. She rejects it in the middle. Come on. No one else thinks this is idiotic. Or is it important? I mean, Buff, I don't get why this is bothering you so much. Because it's a waste of time. Come on, someone has to agree with me, Spike. As long as you're not pointing that thing at me, seems like a fine way to keep the boy busy. This isn't about keeping busy. This is about war. And even in the end, she rejects it. So this is my redemption at last. I buy back my bruised soul with the blood of my heart, but, but not enough to, to kill. Stop! Stop telling stories. Life isn't a story. Sorry. Sorry. Shut up. You always do this. You make everything into a story so no one's responsible for anything because they're just following a script. What I find interesting here, however, is the way Buffy uses narrative as a weapon when it's the most effective weapon to hand. We've seen Buffy improvise in her fighting using whatever weapon is handy. Her creativity and instinct in the moment is probably her strongest weapon because it allows her to make a weapon of pretty much everything. And here we see her do that again, telling Andrew a story to get what she needs out of that confrontation. Doesn't really make sense, does it? Bringing you here to talk to it? This thing doesn't understand words. It understands blood. Blood opens it. You don't want to open it. Opening it would be bad. Yeah, Willow did a little research. Turns out the blood of the person that awoke it, you, different kind of deal. It reverses the whole thing. 
She knows Andrew. She knows what he responds to, what will be effective in her pursuit of the goal at hand. This time, not winning a physical fight, but a psychological one. It stopped. Didn't want blood. They wanted tears. Thanks. Sorry, I had You... So you weren't really going to stab me, were you? I wasn't going to stab you. Now, of course, we could ask ourselves how she knew it wanted tears and why tears would close the evil seal of evil, but this moment works so beautifully that I really don't care. I headcanon it down to this. Evil cannot survive in the face of true regret and remorse and genuine empathy. When Andrew feels what Jonathan felt, when he recognizes what he did and cries genuine tears, not just of fear for himself, but of true regret for destroying another human being, especially a human being he loved, this is how you overcome evil. This is how you fight it. Not with swords or sunlight or holy water, but with a genuine internal desire to do better, to be better to feel empathy, to care for others. The worst evil lives inside us, and the only way to fight it is to face it. And that, my friends, is why Storyteller is one of the best episodes, not just of Buffy, but of television. I'll stand by that. And you can fight me. All right, that's it for today. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by Chipperish Media producer Ross. Ross supports Chipperish Media at the power producer level and as a reward gets to produce whatever show he wants. Thank you, Ross. And thank you to everyone who supports Chipperish Media and makes all of this possible. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out how you too can become a Still Pretty producer. I'll see you next time with my thoughts on season seven, episode 17, Lies My Parents Told Me. Until then, stay pretty. Still Pretty is a Chipperish Media production and is entirely patron-supported. To find out how you can keep us in production, visit patreon.com slash chipperish.